Welcome to The Unapologetic Woman. I'm your host, Pyle Berry. With over a decade of a blended experience in clinical psychology and global leadership development, I've dedicated my career and life purpose to empower women to believe I deserve a seat at the table and it's about damn time. But how do you create synergy between who you are and how you lead? On this podcast, we address that inner critic holding you back, release narratives that no longer serve you, and explore how to use your leadership platform to make an impact around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Simply put, I cut out the bullshit. I'm here to share inspiration, practical tips, and have challenging conversations with other badass individuals who are shifting the narrative for all women. So let's stop apologizing for who we are and rise together as the unapologetic woman. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Unapologetic Woman. Today is going to be a lot of fun. I am interviewing a dear friend of mine. Her name is Jasmine, and she is the confidence coach. And when I talk about confidence, this girl has it. And it's incredible what she does with her clients, what she does with her work, and the journey that she has been on for herself. You're going to get so much out of this. She's a favorite of mine. And so I just want to say a big warm welcome to Jasmine. Welcome. Thank you so much for that introduction. I remember when we first connected on Instagram and it was like, yes, we're going to be besties now. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And every time I come to New York, it can't be without at least a night out with you. So (laughs) (laughs) it's always a night. (laughs) It is a night (laughs) for sure. Well, Jasmine, I want everyone to really know you and your story and what makes you the confidence coach, because your story is so powerful. And I want to first just get started with talking about your journey. What was your journey before you became the confidence coach, before you went into becoming a coach? How would you describe Jasmine growing up? Oh my goodness. I actually was having a conversation with someone about this the other day that I grew up in the projects of Brooklyn, New York in the eighties, early nineties. And I had the best childhood ever. I had so much fun as a kid. And the reason why I had so much fun as a kid was because of my community and just the community of black and brown faces and people and champions who always knew me as the person who was very into books and into studying and into school and always fostered that love of mine. So I can remember coming home as a kid and not just telling my parents about the A that I got in class, but also telling the fellows who were sitting on the stoop and them being just as excited as my parents were. I remember just having such a wonderful, deep, fulfilled and loving childhood. And that community was really one of the huge reasons why I stepped out into the world as a confident and courageous and passionate and fulfilled woman in general. Now that didn't last forever. (laughs) I think that as a Latina, as a brown woman, you build that confidence on the streets just with the people that you know and being in your community But then you step out into the work world and that is just a completely different setting. So, you know, once I started in academia, in my academics, and then in my professional career in STEM, I got knocked on my butt very quickly in terms of confidence. And that really had a lot to do with the fact that I did not see people who looked like me around. I did not see people who had the same story that I did. And in fact, 
I felt actually very embarrassed about my childhood, even though it was such a wonderful and deeply fulfilling childhood. I didn't want to tell those stories because it didn't resonate the same way with other people who had not had the same journey. So it's funny to hear you call me a confidence coach, and I do call myself a confidence coach, but that confidence was there when I was younger, uh, but for a long time in my professional and academic career, I would never have considered myself being a confident woman. That's so interesting because I feel like a lot of times, you know, when I've talked to people about their journey as in their childhood and a lot of their confidence actually, or lack of confidence actually stems from their home. Mm -hmm. And you've had the exact opposite that you had a loving community. You had these incredible parents that really supported you and you were able to go, but it was once you started kind of coming into the world of corporate and reality in that sense where it was like, oh, wait a second, this isn't all, you know, happiness and joy. It's a lot of mistrust and looking at people differently. So what was that like when you were kind of going back from these two worlds of this community that was fully supported and that people from the outside have a completely different perspective on Mm -hmm. and then going into a world that you expected would be great because of what I've achieved and where I am today but then it ended up actually pushing you back a little bit. Like, what was that like for you to go between those two worlds? Yeah. So I had a tremendous amount of support when I was a kid and my parents, especially my dad, my dad had traumatic brain injury when I was like four years old and he had to learn to walk, talk, read, write all over again. So that journey of his completely put him in a different perspective where he just didn't believe that people couldn't do things, right? Like it was just like, well, of course you can do that. So he just instilled in me this feeling and this thought of, well, of course you can do that, right? Like you can do that. If you want to do it, you can do it. So I always grew up having this concept and idea and support from those around me that whatever I wanted to achieve, I could achieve. And my mom was a very very strong, confident woman. So they taught me a lot about confidence when it came to what they knew and understood. But my dad also didn't graduate high school. My mom went to college when I was much further along in my life. So they couldn't teach me what it was like to be a confident woman or confident person outside of the environment that they knew. So when I stepped out of my environment and stepped into this completely new one, I honestly had the misrepresented concept in my head that like everyone's going to think that I can do it and everyone's going to think that I can achieve it and everyone's going to support me because that's where I came from and that's what I had. That is definitely not what it's like. It's very much like what you described. It can be cutthroat. There are rules that you have to know how to navigate in order to succeed and excel and be successful. And as a Latina, I was not taught those rules. So it was very hard to navigate. And I remember, you know, going back home because my parents didn't leave the projects until I was in my late 20s. So I remember constantly going back home and it was challenging because there was a moment in my life like I said, where I just didn't want to talk about who I was or where I came from, because I thought that it was going to make me seem less than. And so when I would go back home, it felt different. You know, it felt like almost like I had unfortunately, like let go of that community and let go of those people to try to fit in. And, you know, I use the word conformity a lot. Like I feel definitely like I conformed in my career. I tried to become something different in order to be successful. 
But the problem was, was that all that did was created a lot of internal struggle, a lot of strife. And it made me feel like I had to shed the person that I was, my culture, my identity, my community, my background. And I tried to do that for a while to achieve success. I definitely did, but I never got it. And so I just decided if I'm not going to be able to achieve it being like these people or trying to be something different, then I might as well at least love myself. Wow. I have the chills. That was really powerful. I think what you said there, right, is that guilt of, you know, leaving a community behind that it's like either you're growing out of it as well, but it's like, these are the ones who were there for me. And now I'm trying to conform to a group that doesn't accept me. Mm -hmm. How does this make any sense? And Mm -hmm. so how do I actually go back to accepting like, no, these are my roots. This is where I'm from. This is what has made me who I am. And they actually see me for me. You know, I don't feel invisible there. Something that's coming up for me. I know your perspective because we've talked about it over a couple of drinks, but I want to (laughs) know here (laughs) and it relates to this very much. So, you know, there was that Harvard Business Review article about stop telling women that they Mm -hmm. have imposter syndrome. And I remember when I brought that up to you and you had a reaction to that. And I feel like, and I agree with, with what you had said, but I want you to share that because I think it's really important to talk about that from the scope of even what you're just mentioning now is like coming from a world where, you know, as a woman of color, as a person of color, coming into the space where you're not ready for it. And then you're put into that space and then you have some level of imposter syndrome, you know, you're trying to figure it out. It is a real feeling, but then there's also that pieces of the microaggressions. There are those Mm -hmm. other things that you are battling at the same time. So I want to know what your perspective is on that article that had come out that's blown up and gone viral. I think it's a brilliant article. I really do. And I think there is a hundred percent truth and validity to it. If I had stayed in my bubble, would I have developed imposter syndrome? Probably not, right? Like it was the external environment that affected me to the point of thinking like, you know, when you're the only in the room, you start thinking some weird stuff about yourself, you know, and when you're expected to represent all of your people, you start thinking like, wow, this is a huge burden on me. And how do I do that? So yeah, the external environment, corporate culture, toxic workplaces, they all breed things like imposter syndrome, self-doubt, microaggressions and bias all cause these things. For me, it's not a one or the other. For me, it's a both end. I do think that imposter syndrome, one of the triggers of imposter syndrome is the external environment, but it also does come from within. So I perceived myself in certain ways because of what I was going through. And I had to build those systems to build myself up and become a confident woman, become more connected to my accomplishments and achievements in order to achieve success in any walk of life. If you don't ever change the environment, you will never change. So of course, there is an environmental factor but you still have to build what's going on internally. You still have to build the belief systems for yourself to be successful no matter where you are. I don't think it's a one or the other. I don't think it's just environment. I do think there's a a huge internal factor when it comes to things like imposter syndrome and self-doubt. And I also think that unfortunately, the workplace, the work world, the systems are not gonna change quick enough for us to be able to just one day say, all right, 
all toxic work environments are gone and done. So what is the aspect of what we can control that we can control and change? And I think building those internal belief systems, building your confidence, it makes other people uncomfortable and being uncomfortable in essence creates change. So I think we do have an aspect of let's focus on the internal work that we need. Let's focus on building those systems that we need to achieve success so that we can also be an agent of change. And I don't believe in waiting for an environment to change. I believe in you taking control of the systems around you and making the change happen too. Wow. That was really incredible. I think one of the things that really stood out there was when you said that if you don't change your environment, then you don't have to change. And that's Mm -hmm. so true that, you know, if you stay in your comfort, then there is nothing that's challenging you to see yourself differently, to catch your blind spots, to grow. And that's where, you know, a lot of complacency can exist. Mm-hmm. How did you, as you were in this world of, you know, trying to navigate in the corporate world and trying to fit in or, you know, what you were doing and you were experiencing all that responsibility of having to really show up as the Latina in the room, how did you in that time feel like, you know, you went from this, like, I got this, I can do this. And from how I know you, you're such an optimist and you're such a positive person. And in that time when you were really there, what was that like for you? Like, how was it when you would leave that office, come home when you weren't feeling full in alignment? I felt terrible all the time. Like I felt like I never took an opportunity. Like I I just felt like I was always quiet. I would sit in the back of the room. I would let other people talk over me. I didn't want to express my ideas because I thought they were stupid. I thought other people were way smarter than me. It felt really awful. (laughs) It felt awful. I just remember leaving spaces and just wanting to kick myself because yet again, I had taken or not taken another opportunity to do the thing that I was telling myself I was going to do. It felt really bad. And I can remember developing panic attacks and just feeling so much anxiety around going to work because I just didn't want to do it anymore. Like I felt unmotivated. I felt like I wasn't having fun. I wasn't enjoying myself. It was a tough experience to go through. And I felt like no matter what I tried, it didn't seem to work. So even when I tried to, you know, be confident or speak up, it didn't seem to work. When I tried to advocate for myself, it didn't seem to work. So it felt really demeaning. It felt really tough. How did you get through it? You know, I think I had to almost kind of have that realization moment of here you are trying all these things, but you're not trying the real thing. And the real thing is just being yourself and not really caring if someone judges you for saying something or you know, not really caring if someone sees you a certain way to, of course, maintain professional standards. Like I'm not going to run in there rocking, you know, like (laughs) rocking my Brooklyn ghetto voice, but like, you know, to just feel comfortable with being who I was and not to care anymore about what everybody else seemed to think. So I stopped thinking about what other people wanted and what they thought. And I just started to care more about what I wanted. That is a really challenging step right there alone Mm -hmm. is even that one piece of awareness of recognizing like, what am I doing here? Like, how am I getting to this? And you mentioned having panic attacks and, you know, feeling just absolute crap while you're there. 
how are you able, like, was it a moment that you had? Was it this like one night where it was a panic attack? It was, it was hard. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to make a shift. Aha. I need to kind of go back internally to who I am or was, do you think it was over a period of time with these like subtle, subtle movements? Yeah. It felt to me like it was a glass of water and like all of these things just kept getting added to the glass. And then one day, I don't know what that thing was that created that first moment of spillage, but like once that happened, I was just like, I can't keep doing this anymore. So I think it was over time, you know, I think it was just, over time, constantly accommodating other people and their needs and their comfort above my own. I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I also realized that like nobody was looking out for me, you know, like I was really all by myself in this arena. No one had my back. So I really had to have my own. So it, it just was almost a realization that if I keep doing this and keep feeling this way, my entire life is not going to look the way I want it to look. Because there was a point where I was so unhappy in my career and in my job that my relationship started to suffer, you know, just outside of work. I just wasn't living the life that I wanted to live. I wasn't being as productive. I wasn't caring for myself as much as I would have wanted to. So I just honestly just realized I couldn't do it anymore. You know, environment plays such a huge role in our lives. And we spend so much of our waking time at work. You know, even if you're an entrepreneur, you're working a lot longer than your nine to five job, mm -hmm. but you're doing something you love for the most part. And if you're not, you pivot, but you have that freedom and flexibility, right? But when you're in a corporate or, you know, corporate like environment, let's say it's hard because you're there 40, 50, 60 hours. And like you said, it plays a big role in your outside world. Now, there's a lot of people, though, who will say that, well, you know, this pays for my bread and butter and I find my joy outside and it's fine. Like they've made compromise with their job because they don't think that they're capable of doing anything else or making a transition. And they just don't know because they've just been in that one path forever. So even though they're unhappy and then it does slowly strip away their confidence and knowing their value, they keep at it. And they just feel like, well, I'll find joy by going on a vacation. I'll find joy by, mm -hmm. you know, spending time and having drinks after work or, but one thing I've noticed is that you see more cynicism starting to come up from them, right? You start to see more jadedness, more a, well, whatever, nothing really matters, kind of an attitude towards things because they're so out of alignment with themselves. So you kind of shifted away from that and you know, you were still working part-time, but this year, just a couple months ago, you decided to finally become a full-time entrepreneur, supporting your clients in building their confidence as they're really finding themselves and finding whether it's in a promotion, whether it's a new job, whether it's a complete career shift or moving towards entrepreneurship, but you support clients to help them get through what you did. Talk to me about that. How did you go from this realization, from moving away from this to saying, I want to support other people to get to this level of confidence that I believe everyone deserves. I love that question because it's so connected to my story. I think that, you know, I was this confident person, this confident girl, this confident teenager, this confident young woman stepped out into the real world and that got bashed very quickly. And then I just took my power back, took my control back, 
reconnected back with even my music, right? Like even dancing, like I reconnected back to just so many different elements and aspects of myself that brought me joy. And that really made me feel confident again. And through that journey and also my professional journey of, you know, I hired a coach and I read more professional development books and I was in management and leadership anyway. So I was gaining so much experience in being a leader and being a manager and building teams. But I started to realize that like, as I did move up the ladder and as I did sort of identify the best ways to navigate this, there weren't as many, even though there were a lot of other women who felt the same, a lot of other women of color, there weren't as many resources and tools for us specifically. And I'm a firm believer in that the way that we as women of color build confidence is really to identify our unique attributes, which all come from our story, our background, our identity, our culture. The reason why I am a confident woman is because I struggled and because of the way that I grew up and, you know, good and bad. And so I think it was really important for me to help other women to achieve the same level of success or the success as they defined it by really understanding where their unique value came from. And I'm a firm believer that it comes from just you, your story and your journey. And I wanted to really allow people to feel empowered by that. And I just felt like there weren't enough people talking about that. Like, sure, you can Google, you know, negotiation tactics. But the thing is, is that if you don't really connect to your worth, if you have money trauma, if you have, you know, people who are telling you just take the first offer, like those are the things that matter most. So I just wanted to really be able to tell people that they could overcome this, not necessarily by reading what Google tells you to do, but by really just deeply connecting to themselves. Wow. Yeah. No, that's so true. It's like you go on Google and you find things, you know, the one, two, three, four, but until you have the confidence and you believe in yourself, Mm -hmm. you're not going to apply the strategies, you know? And that's what I always say is like, you can learn all the technical stuff that you want, but until you actually do the inner work, those strategies will just sit on the table. Like you're not going to be able to, and even if you do try to apply it, there's going to be a lot of nerves behind it. And then it's just going to validate that, see, it didn't work. See, I'm just not meant to do this. So really like giving yourself permission and compassion that it's going to take time. It may not be right on the first try, may not be right on the second try, but the third or fourth, you know, as you're getting to know yourself, like you will get there. So talk to me about, you know, as you are helping these individuals and helping them build their confidence, you know, what is it about this that you know, like share a client story that you feel like, wow, like this is exactly why I do this. Like, you know, there's always days where we wake up and we're like, oh, am I really in alignment? And I think it's really important that regardless of, again, if you're an employee or if you run a business that every so often you do an alignment check for yourself and you're like, am I really living in my alignment? Am I living in my values? But what are those stories for you that when you Mm -hmm. hear this, when you see that transformation happen, you're like, damn, this is exactly why I do what I do. Yeah, I think the stories that connect so deeply to me that bring me an immense amount of joy are the stories in which women come to work with me who aren't feeling confident, who are in toxic workplaces, who are being frankly abused, no work-life balance, working an immense amount of hours, giving to a company that isn't giving back to them, 
and working with them to see their value and their worth and then having them leave. (laughs) Like I love, I love the, I mean, I love those transformations. Those are the ones that really bring me the most joy. I remember working with one of my first clients who was an amazing Latina in the tech industry. And, you know, she grew up in the Bronx and she helped her parents. You know, she was, her parents were living with her. She was doing everything that she could to support her family. She even had a side hustle to try to support herself and her family. Her job was making work 70, 80 hours a week. She was putting in the time and getting no money back for it, no value back for it. And through working together, we connected back to her power, which was her story. She told me so much about growing up and about supporting her family and about having to just be that person that was there for them. And uh, we made it so that she was there for herself and for her family. We got her out of that position and into a completely new one where she's happy, she's satisfied, she's being supported, and she's making, you know, high six figures in, in a job. And I love that story. And I love those transformations because you deserve better. We all deserve better. And so there is absolutely no reason for anyone to be in this, in a space where they are not being treated right. I remember I left two jobs in 2019. The second one that I left, I had nothing to go towards. I had no other position. I started driving Uber Eats for money just to pay my bills. And I did it because I would not allow myself to be in any environment that wasn't going to value me any longer. So I just love the transformations of women just saying absolutely no more. I am not putting myself through this and they create the change. How do you work with clients, even if they're not clients, but with, when you hear people say, and who are, tend to be a little bit more risk averse and fear, you know, a lot of fear of, well, I can't make that transition because I will lose out on this, or they place a lot of value on money. And so because the current job gives them really great salary and they're comfortable and they've, you know, worked really hard to get to this point, even though it's so not in alignment with them to make the transition then into something that there really is fulfilling, but they have to take a pay cut Mm. to maybe go there. And so then they just won't do it because it doesn't make practical sense. I mean, I think it's dependent on, I can't speak towards every person's situation. I think it's dependent on every person's situation for me and for the clients, the majority of the clients that I work with mental health, physical health, emotional health are so incredibly important. But I also really do think it depends on what you have currently going on in your life. So I do think that transitions are necessary. I am a firm believer in the fact that anything can happen and anything can work. So when people come to me and say, in order to be happy and fulfilled in my job, I'm going to have to take a pay cut. My immediate reaction is like, where the hell did you get that information from? (laughs) You know, like who told you that was the case? You know, like, of course you can have a job that you enjoy. Of course you can have a job that doesn't treat you like crap. Of course you can have a company that shows you value and still make good money. I mean, there are tons of people out there doing that. So I think that's, you know, a false representation of things to be happy. You can still have the life you want. I think it's about prioritizing your values. Like what is it that's really important to you and starting there? Yeah, absolutely. When you made that transition into working for yourself and building your coaching presence, what made you so certain that this was the niche and area for you? Oh, because it was my story. Like it was my journey. 
If I only if I only found one other person in the world who could resonate with that story, that would have been fine with me. I would have coached the hell out of her. But it was just, <laughs> I, I just, I feel like as I was going through my transformation and as I opened up more about what I was going through, I just noticed what the problem was. And the problem was, I think there's a lot of obviously systemic racism and problems and toxicity in workplace. There's all of that stuff. Right. What I also think can change is the way we engage with it and standing up for ourselves and truly knowing what it is that we want. So for a long time, I was in a career that I didn't realize I wasn't happy with because I didn't actually want to do it. So I was really good at science. I was really good at research and I got praised for it. And because of that, and because I really didn't know how to find anything else or what was out there and my parents couldn't help or assist me, I just went along with that journey. But so the first thing I had to realize was like, I don't want to be on this journey. You know? <laughs> and I think, and I think that helped in itself to yeah. like change the way I perceived my environment and, you know, everything around me. So I like to come at it from the perspective of if I could wave the magic wand and everything around you would be perfect, I would do that, but it's not going to happen. So what can we take control of? And that's where I like to come at it from. And I do believe that as women of color, as black and brown women, as people of color, there are aspects of what we can control and what we can control is what we accept and what we don't accept. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the work that you're doing and something I know that you do for yourself is that while you are coaching your clients in building their confidence with that next thing for them and their internal work, you're doing a lot of internal work for yourself. And that, that isn't something that is like, great, you know, wash my hands in this space. Now I'm good. You know, I'm back to being confident. We're good. It's that there's this relationship with, no, I need to continue learning about myself, growing, changing as I'm, you know, moving in my life, it's like really doing that inner work of knowing like, Hey, what's part of my story? Am I carrying with me? And what part of the story am I ready to release? Because again, a lot of times, right? Like even when you shared in the very beginning about going back into the projects where you grew up and feeling a little bit of this, like, Oh my gosh, like, what am I doing here? You know, like, why did I move away from this when this is such a big part of my story? There's still elements of like releasing parts of you because they helped you get from A to B, but they may not be what helps you get from B to C. And it doesn't mean that releasing it, letting it go is bad. And one thing I like to say actually is instead of saying, you know, goodbye to it, I actually like to say, let me write a thank you letter to this, Mm -hmm. you know, a thank you for being there for me. Thank you for helping me get here. And then you can look over. So otherwise there's this immense level of guilt of like, oh my gosh, I'm abandoning a version of myself. So how is that inner work that you are doing helping you as you're continuing to grow as a coach with your clients? I just don't think you can coach people unless you coach yourself. I mean, it's a constant thing. I established a morning ritual for myself years ago that I still maintain to this day. And it is journaling, it is meditating, it is working out. 
And I journal sometimes during the day and meditate sometimes during the day, but I'm constantly coaching myself. And some, I even tell people, if you could look inside my apartment from outside, you would think I'm a crazy person because I walk around my apartment. I talk to myself, but that's me asking myself, like, where is that coming from? Why did I think that? Why would I want to say that to myself? Well, that seems like it could be a problem. What's going on there? So I'm just constantly in tune with where I am, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And I think that is so incredibly important to any journey that you want to go on. And I also think that when you become the, a product that you have to sell, so I have to sell myself, basically, when you become the product, you have to have true belief in that product. So I couldn't go out here and, you know, sell my coaching if I didn't believe that it was the most transformative coaching that I could absolutely provide. Mm -hmm. So it requires a lot of deep internal work. And my internal work started with small things. It started with journaling. It started with affirmations. And now I've gotten to the point of just being so good at myself coaching that I can literally have a whole coaching session with myself. And I do a lot of now inner child work where I'm going even deeper into my stories and how I grew up to heal a lot of things that were traumatic because I had a great childhood. I had a lot of fun, but there was also a lot of trauma associated with growing up poor in the projects. And it requires me to heal those things too. So I cannot shepherd someone through a transformation unless I am that transformation myself. And I think that is incredibly important to acknowledge. How do you bring that into, like you have now started a group coaching. And, you know, you're bringing this community of women together who are working on it. You just launched your first one. You're going to be doing another program coming up soon. What is it like to see these women in this group together? I mean, I could cry. It's, it's the most amazing experience. I, I tell people every day that like, you know, life was hard for a really long time and I'm just blessed every single day to be able to be a part of people's journeys. So yeah, in the group program, it's amazing. Like I think the best part of any transformation is actually seeing the moment where the person like has come to the realization for themselves, because I can tell you a million times over, like you should value yourself, but you're the one that has to come to that moment. So I love that moment where the person on the other end just stays quiet for a second and you can see them processing that thought. And then it's like, oh, damn. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So those are the moments that I really enjoy. But it's been such a transformative process for myself. There have been moments in the group coaching where I haven't been the one coaching. It's been the other women coaching each other, you know, sharing their experiences, talking about the things that they've gone through validating each other, cheering each other on. It's just been such a wonderful experience. I I wouldn't, I mean, I'm blessed every day to be able to be in these women's lives in some way. Like I can actually feel it in your body right now, like that overwhelm of emotion that you have of gratitude for them and for yourself, to be honest, for you to get to this point, you know, you here are building community of women that are supporting each other, going through this transformation together, cheering each other on, celebrating each other, crying together and Mm -hmm. growing, you know, how has that been for you 
you know, in terms of your community and the people that you've surrounded yourself with in order to keep you going? Because entrepreneurship can be a very lonely road. So how have you created that for yourself? It can be really lonely. And, um, you know, I support my clients in their journeys, but it's their journeys, right? Like that's their accomplishments and their achievements. It can, entrepreneurship can be super lonely. And the way that I sort of connect back to community is through, you know, coaching journeys. So I, at one point, I think I was in like four different group coaching programs (laughs) just for the sake of just being around other people and other women, you know, other women who were doing the same thing. I remember being in one of the most transformative group coaching programs I ever did was an imposter syndrome group coaching program. And that was just a moment for me to every single week, cry my eyes out and just feel so supported. So I think that everything comes from community. So you have to figure out the ways to build that and to cultivate it. It's so transformative when you're in that space with other people who experience the same thing as you, because then you feel validated. You feel like, yeah, other people get it. It's really happening. You feel supported in that journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I ask every guest two questions and I want to ask you those two questions. What does the unapologetic woman mean to you? You know, I remember when I met you and I remember when you told me, you know, about the unapologetic woman. And I remember sitting next to you, we were sitting in a restaurant bar and I remember seeing your face just light up when you talked about the unapologetic woman and what she meant to you. And what I felt in that moment was inspired. So to me, the unapologetic woman is someone who knows so much what she wants and who she wants to be that she is capable of inspiring those around her. So that's my definition. And I cultivated that definition from you because I remember looking at your face. I remember seeing your smile. I remember feeling your energy. And the unapologetic woman knows who she is and she inspires those around her to feel that feeling and want to be that person. Oh, wow. Thank you. And (laughs) I mean, I have no words. (laughs) And who has that been for you? I would say, you know, my mom is a pain in my freaking (laughs) butt. She is strong and confident and she doesn't take anything from anyone. And she fights for the things that she believes in. When she loves something, she loves it deeply and hard. I think that, you know, every time I think about my boundaries or think about being walked over or think about anything, I always think about my mom and I always think about like, would she tolerate this? Of course she would not tolerate this. So then why am I tolerating this? (laughs) My mom is definitely what I would consider an unapologetic woman for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, that I will say that that is a very common person that a lot of guests say it's they typically say either their mom themselves, or they will name a mentor or something. And I think ultimately, you know, our first our parents are our role models, right? They're Mm -hmm. the first ones and we grow up seeing that and I think that we appreciate them more when we're older. And we start to really understand and recognize everything that they've gone through because adulting is not easy. (laughs) Oh no, it sure is not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And you know, for me, like being an immigrant child where my parents are hustling, trying to make it in this country and 
now, you know, being an adult and seeing everything they've done, like that resilience of a, of a woman of color, of a mother <laughs> is powerful. So yeah, I, I agree 100%. That. Yeah. And yeah. I'll say, I definitely see you as an unapologetic woman. I mean, same thing. Like when I first saw you and yes, listeners, it's going to be like a little love note right here. It's like, you know, when I, when I first, we, we met on zoom, we had a zoom call. And then soon after I was in New York and we met up and, you know, and I remember at one point, at some point, I don't know, I think it was like a little tipsy and I sent you like a, a text being like, Oh my God, I'm so happy <laughs> that I met you. And it was just that you do like you, you show up in a way where when you say confident, and I know that that word can be thrown around a lot, but when you really say it to me, it really just stands in that, like, I'm going to trust myself. I'm going Mm -hmm. to trust myself because that's who is going to be there for me. And once I trust myself, then I'm creating community around me that really encourages that and supports that. And we then have a mutual trust with each other because until you can trust yourself, know yourself, it's very easy to get swept away in at someone else's world. It's very easy to get swayed away in someone else's influences. And every time I've been in your presence, there's always a very groundedness in knowing you. And I think that is one of the most powerful things that any human can have, any woman can have. And for you to be a coach who then helps other women get there, I mean, these are some of the most luckiest people that have been able to come into your universe. So with that, you know, I am so, so thankful that I got to have you today as a guest and for you to share your story, your journey. When you're talking about it, I feel like I could see it. I feel like I was there on that journey with you. And I know so many of the listeners are going to connect to this so deeply and they're going to want to talk to you. So let everyone know where they can reach out to you, how they can work with you and where to say hi to you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Jasmine Escalera Coaching. I feel like I live my life on Instagram. So you can always reach out to me there and also on LinkedIn at Jasmine Escalera. Fantastic. Everyone, if you haven't, please follow her. If you feel like you need her support, she has an incredible group coaching program. She does one-on-one and she's just phenomenal. So make sure you reach out to her and thank you once again, Jasmine. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Unapologetic Woman. If you like what you heard today, then please subscribe so you'll get real-time updates when I post a new episode. And if you really believe that others should be hearing this, then leave a rating or review this episode so others can find it too. And if there's something you'd really love for me to cover or highlight, then head over to my Instagram account at Pileberry. DM me to let me know. I'm all ears. If you want free resources, practical tips, and inspirational stories that I share with my clients, visit Pileberry.com and subscribe to my newsletter. You'll get them all. Until then, take a moment to celebrate your journey, reflect, and be ready to embrace your next epiphany.